will bless the Lord at all times. This, uh, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. So he saw that truth. And what he was doing is he's talking about dealing with adversity, how to have the right attitude in the midst of circumstances where, where our attitude and our actions are not based upon the circumstance that we're in. It's based upon the faith that we have in the Lord, having a heart of praise when you're not in a situation where you feel like praising is possible. And then he wrapped up the message with Job, and he talked about how Job went through all that he went through. And his statement was this, and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessing the Lord at all times. Then Bruce talked about the abundant life. Okay, so he was talking about the abundant life, and he was using pictures from the Bible, which is so wonderful because my message was pulled out of our Joshua, so he was doing the setup for me. I was like, dude, this works out great. This saves me a lot of time. Keep on rocking, buddy. So he would do all the setup for me, and it was like I could just jump and ride right off of what he was teaching. But he talked about, obviously, the picture of salvation that we see in the book of Exodus. But again, he talked about suffering. And it's an understanding. These people are in a constant state of suffering. These people are giving out of what they do not have. Let's put it that way. So we have a, a people that are dealing with suffering, that have a great attitude, but these things are encouraging to them. This is a matter of kind of help pushing them in the right direction. One of the, guys, one of the young men, when we had a break, came over and said, you know what, I've been really seriously considered quitting. And he said, but one of the things that you guys today said that, oh, I'm sorry, I'm supposed to dismiss you guys, little ones. You guys go to children's church. I'm sorry, I got so excited about what I was talking about. You guys can go to children's church. Go, go, go. And there's some prizes in there. I brought back some African sculptures that they have a chance to win. Hand-sculpted uh, elephants and hippopotamuses. If that's how you say it. Hippopotami? I'm not sure. Whatever it is. So he talked about the abundant life. And in that talking about, again, he dealt with the issue of suffering. And like I said, it was making an impact on these people's lives. And then I was drawing from our from our, uh, our study in Joshua, and I talked about the testimony, and I talked about the testimony to the family, the power of, of reaching our own families, spiritual and physical, obviously, right, because we have spiritual children, those that are looking up to us, um, and then reminding them of the fact that once the reason why God gave us a testimony, the reason why we have the testimony that we have is so that it can be a tool that we can use to reach those that are still in bondage, because the world is filled with lost people, and when you, you look at that video just driving along the market, you know, and I'm just telling you, the Muslims the Islamics, uh, they're everywhere there. It's not an Islamic state, but they have built mosques almost now. I mean, it used to be every five kilometers. Now they're getting to be almost every two kilometers. And these mosques are empty. They don't have anything in it. And what they do is they offer the people clothing and they offer them money. And what they're doing is, so what you have is you have people that are Muslim by convenience not by faith. They don't really even understand what it is that they believe, which is okay. But the thing is, they're trying to get themselves entrenched there. So we're constantly, they're dealing with a lot of false teaching the same way that we do here in the United States as well. But what we happened is the fact that we were challenging them in these areas, but at the same time, we were looking at them. And what was it doing? It was challenging us, right? We're looking at how they're actually doing ministry and the heart of these people. And you cannot help but be overwhelmed by what they're doing. They have every excuse of why they shouldn't be doing it. Yet they don't look at the excuse. They just do it. So the message today is called Lessons Learned in Malawi. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this gift of this day. And Lord, for these people, for the heart that they have. Uh, Lord, to, to hear, uh, to have uh, a willingness to hear this message. Uh, God, to... Uh, have a heart for the ministry that's taking place there. And Lord, thank you for their prayers for us while we were away and how, God, you answered them without a doubt. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you speak to our hearts 
today. Um, Lord, I know that uh, this this trip, uh, just like all the trips have, but Lord, this one in particular uh, has rested on my heart very heavily. And uh, Lord, I'm just filled with such grace, uh, thanks, uh, appreciation, and uh, conviction, Lord, over what I saw. So Lord, I pray that, uh, Lord, I can share just a little bit of what it is that you've given me, uh, that we would have ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So when we think about Malawi, understand that the country of Malawi is for the last 25, 30 years, has been one of the poorest countries on the planet. Sometimes it is the poorest. It's always in the top three or four. Um, And what that means is the fact that the people as a whole, 85% of the population live in the villages, okay? What that means is they have no power and they have no water. They've never had power. They've never had water. They have never taken a hot shower. They have never used a flushing toilet. They don't know what it means to wash your clothes or take themselves to have them wash. They wash them in a river, and they beat them on the rocks. It is like, it's like the Stone Age kind of thing. It's crazy. And we look at the, but the thing is, when you're around them, they don't complain about it. <laughs> they, they have smiles on their faces. And though they live with constant everyday hardships, every day wondering if they're going to have enough food. Because understand, they're... They're farming, the way they farm is they, they continually, they burn it and they roll it into the soil and they burn it and they roll it in the soil and you burn it and it, over a period of time it just depletes it. So the, the one who wins the election for the country is the person who can guarantee the best fertilizer prices. Isn't that weird? Because it's an agricultural environment. Everything, 80 to 90% of their economy is run upon, based upon upon their farming. So they live, they sustain themselves through what it is that they raise. So they're dependent upon it. But the thing that struck me in spending time around these people, I'm talking children, teenagers, adults, is it made me think of Psalm 100, verses 1 through 5. It says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us. And not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. And see, we read verses like that and we're encouraged. We're like, yeah, man, right on. God's good. But the thing is, you know what? So many times it just becomes something that we read and we don't really take it seriously, right? Do we hear what it's saying? I'm going to read it to you one more time. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Understand, guys, adversity is a part of life, but yet God is still good. God is still good, and God uses adversity in our lives. We can all look back on our own lives and our own choices and our own situations, and we can see how God used something adverse in our life that we would not have asked for, yet He used it for our good. And as we look at these people, one of the things, the fact that we see that attitude, an attitude of thanks, The first thing I saw was a heart of thanks, thankful-hearted people that literally are genuinely thankful. They have very little material things. I mean, people that you meet who have, if they have a pair of shoes, they have a pair of shoes. 
Most of them have never had pairs of shoes. Saul, who you saw in the video with his wife Naomi, Saul was 30 years old. First time he had shoes. And we think about it, man, in my closet I got 10 pairs of shoes. Some people 100 pairs of shoes, right? Some that are covered with dust because we haven't worn them in so long. Now, if you have high heels and you want to send them to Malawi, I do not recommend that at all. <laughs> that is not a functional shoe. I would send them a sneaker, not a high heel. So uh, just a heads up for the next container. We don't need that. But what we see is the fact that their need, um, their hearts, is they're thankful for the little tiny bit that they do have. If they have a pair of shoes, man, they're so thankful. They're proud to show them to you, right? They have a shirt on that doesn't have a rip full of holes, and they wear it with pride. And there's great, amazing, just gratitude in their hearts. Philippians 4.11 says this, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. And that's one of the things that strikes you with their thankful hearts is there is a contentedness in them. They're not fighting and scratching to get over on their friend. They share. They're kind. They have a heart of, 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 of generosity towards their fellow man. And so if they have something, as we were there back in, in 2019 when Christine was with me. And one of the things that struck me is when you give the children their, their snacks, when you do a VBS, and you're sitting there and then they're not opening them. They're just holding them. And we were like, tell them they can eat them. And they're like, they know, but they're going to save it and take it home so they can share it. Nobody's saying, I don't want this. Eh. Wrong color. Me. Eh. Right? We have, I mean, our kids, I'm not slamming our kids, but American kids. You give them something, this is it. That's all we get. Not grateful. Not a heart of thanks. Dissatisfied. And so what we saw there, and one of the things that they told me was that, you know what, some of these kids will take that sucker back and they will share it with their family so that everybody tastes. Because they don't want to have it just for themselves. And see, the thing is, that's the attitude in the church, but guess what? It's also that way in their homes. They have a generous heart. And when we were there at the church, they treat us like we're something special. And we're like, guys, we're just here to serve. But they, don't like, they won't let us carry our Bibles. We get out of the car, they're like, no, 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 no. They carry, they take your stuff and they carry it for you and they set it at your, at your, at your, at your seat. They go get you water and they bring it to you. They make us a special lunch and, and set it up in the back and they want us to sit separately and stuff like that. And we're like, look, you know, we, we just rather sit there. Like, no, 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 you need to be in here. You need to be in here. We're like, okay. You know, you don't want to be rude, but you're just like, you know. We're not worthy to be, we're not special, man. You guys are the rock stars. We're just here to help you be even better than what you are. If we bring a little bit of knowledge, we'll praise the Lord. But guess what? You guys are teaching us way more than we're teaching you. They're gracious. They're not jealous. They're contented. They have respectful hearts. Respectful to their families, right? We can see how the kids respond. If an adult walks in and goes, ah, they're silent. They don't mouth off. They don't speak back. They listen intently. They're respectful of one another. It was really so cool because, and I know this sounds crazy, but we were, when we were doing the graduation, they had brought in some water bottles for us. 
and we're drinking the water bottles, and there's this group of kids sitting right here. <laughs> There's close. They worked their way from the very back, and they were like, row by row, they'd work a little bit closer. <laughs> and I look back, and I'm smiling and stuff like that, and they'd get a little bit closer, a little bit closer. And eventually, they're sitting right behind me, and they're just like this. They're just looking over. And I'm like, what is it that they're doing? And I finished a water bottle, and I set it down, and I saw this little hand reach up and take the empty bottle. And she looked up at me like this, and I was like, she was like, and all the other kids are like, oh, they're all talking, man, oh, boy, oh, boy. So then the hunt was on for water bottles. So the whole time when we're going on, they're going, snatching water bottles, empty water bottles. Once you finish, they didn't want it with the water, but they wanted them empty. And I found out, and I asked, I said, why do they want these water bottles? So afterwards, we were like, here, take them. And they were like, ah, they were, man, you would have thought we were giving out $1,000, I guess they don't have $1,000 bills, whatever, we're giving out gold. They were so excited to get these empty water bottles. And he said, the thing is, they can reuse that water bottle. They'll take it home, they'll refill it, they'll drink from them themselves, from river water and stuff like that. This is a wonderful way for them to carry on because they don't have something like this. But also, they'll use that bottle, they'll melt it. And if they have something damaged, they fix it. That's what they use for glue. They drip the plastic from the bottle to fix things. So if they have a ball and it bursts, they'll save the bottles and they'll make themselves a patch out of that. And we think, well, we would just go get a new ball. It's not an option. They do what they will. And they're so thankful. And they were just so, they'd get the bottle and they'd be like... They're just so thrilled to have <laughs> an empty water bottle. And quick to smile. Quick to smile. You're walking down the street. Someone has, I mean, the clothing they're wearing, you just, you feel your heart's breaking for them. And you say, Zekomo, which is... If you don't know what to say in Africa, in Malawi, just say Zakomo, and everybody says, oh, Zakomo. They always respond. So if it's, it's hello, it's thank you, it's whatever you want to say. And you walk by and you say Zakomo, and they're like, Zakomo. Big smile on their face. Little children. Smiles at the ready. Just kindness. There's a heart of thanks. There's a heart of praise in the way they deal with individuals and deal with one another. You see teenagers walking hand in hand, boys and boys and girls and girls are friends. And it's, there's nothing, they're just, they love people. They love one another. They have family. They have connection. When you talk to them, they look you right in the eye. They're connected with you. You wave from a car. Children are outside working and you wave from the car. And that, they wave with all they can, man. They'll chase the car. Azungu, azungu. That means white guy. Azungu. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny when we were there in 2019 we were riding in the vehicle and there was this group of little kids and they were all going Azungu Azungu so, <laughs> chanting Azungu as we drove by which was kind of funny but so so sweet and then I saw in them uh, not only a heart of thanks but a heart of praise Psalm 100 says make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands serve the Lord with gladness come before his presence was singing, and you saw just a glimpse of it in the video. But let me just tell you, when you're there, when you're there, and they're all behind you, and and the, the one that leads off says makes says a phrase, and then the whole group responds. It just gives you chills because they're not doing it for a show. It's sincere. It's real. They're not doing it for us to hear, man. They're singing to the Lord because guess what? At home, they have nothing to look forward to. They come here and our church for them is an opportunity to connect with their family and connect with God. And they're there with a thankful heart to have a building is a big deal. You you saw Grace Community Church, man, it's a bunch of sticks. And when it rains, guess what? Water pours straight through. 
The buildings melt, they collapse, they fall down. And what we're doing is helping them to, to go to do, to do more. Bruce, who you saw in the video, he's a businessman. He's raising the money to finish that Grace Church to help them to do it. It's going to take 150,000 bricks that they will make from their local soy. And they will pack and they'll build it in that giant thing. That shape you saw is a kiln. What they're doing is it's got channels through the bottom of it. And they fill it with wood and they will burn that thing for about two days. The whole thing gets blazing hot. They seal it all up. And when it's done, those bricks, which are just dirt, will turn just like a red brick that we see here at home. And we'll help them to purchase concrete and get it. And they will build it all themselves. But when they have a building like that and we get a steel roof from them, they finally can get out of the weather. Because guess what? The rainy season is getting ready to come. And it's going to rain for like four months straight. And everywhere that we went to, the roads are like, it's like, just like powder. The dirt is so fine. I mean, it just settles like when you drive through, like you get where you're at and you're like, okay, we're in the vehicle with the windows rolled up and you're still got dust all over you. But when it rains, that turns into slime and there's no getting to those people. So we got to help them to have a place where they can at least be dry so they can pay attention and listen and learn. And these places, man, I'm telling you what, they're growing and people are coming out of all different areas of the community are getting saved. And they've got discipleship just like we do. They've got training and teaching. They have Bible college going on there. They've got so much happening. But the whole thing is the video shows you just a glimpse of that heart of praise. Thankful hearts display a praising heart. And see, that's something that we've lost in America. We come to church and it's just a, something we're supposed to do. We're not thankful for our building. It's just the church. We're not thankful for the gathering of the body. We take it for granted. But if we had absolutely nothing, and you suddenly had an opportunity to come here on a Sunday, you would value it. Right? We would value it. We don't value it because we already have so much. We have so many things vying for our hearts. And the thing is, you know what, this heart of praise, it extends again beyond the church. They have that heart of praise when you see them walking around. You see them on the street, man. You, see, you come across, we see Christians, when those people are getting on that truck to ride for hours and hours in the sun in the back of a truck and thankful for it. And I was like, hey guys, see you later. They're standing up. See ya! They're screaming and yelling and waving. They're so excited to just... Just to, just, just to see you. There's, just, there's a heart of praise, and I could hear them singing. You saw those child, that children's choir. Those are kids getting together on their own. There's not an adult there saying, hey, you know what? You guys need to practice. No, they gather because, you know what? They want to honor the Lord. Amen. We've got to corral children and tell them they have to do it. These kids see it as an honor to do it. Yeah. And it's such a difference in the way they see the world. And the thing is, they boldly praise God without apology. They don't care who sees. They do it in public. They do it in private. Hebrews 13, 15 says this, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Are we, are we thankful? Is the fruit of our lips, is it praise? I'm sad to say that most times, for most Americans, the fruit of our lips is complaining instead of praise. But remember, God allows adversity to teach us, to shape us, to change us, to adapt us, to build us to a place where we can become dependent upon Him. Some of us are hard-headed. Some of us require great adversity for us to finally listen. 
to what God wants to show us. But the whole thing is the reason why their worship is powerful is because it's genuine. <laughs> like I said, it's not a show. We're so filled with distractions and desires and things that are out there trying to draw us away. But see, a thankful heart is displayed through phrasing lives. So because of their hearts of thanks, which manifest into hearts of praise, we see that they have hearts of service. And this is where it's really cool. To see what that heart turns into when it converts into ministry. Okay? So when you look at this, understand the government does not offer any help. There is no safety net. If someone is starving, there is nowhere they can go. They're starving, and that's just the situation. And so what happens, because there is no safety net, because the fact that there is no other way, the church fills the gap. They step up. They do exactly what biblically we're all supposed to be doing. We've gotten used to a safety net that exists in our country where we go, well, you know what, there's hungry people, they'll find food. But guess what, there are people in our need, even in our communities. And they may not be physically starving, but I can promise you that spiritually they're starving. Amen. Right? Amen. And so our job is to take them food. Sometimes it's just a caring word. Sometimes it's just a just stopping by and seeing a widow who maybe needs a little bit of encouragement. And we could do that. But see, we lose sight of what God wants to do with our lives. But you see here, so here we go. I'm going to give you a list of kind of what's going on. Mulunguzi Community Church, okay? So there's a ministry to the widows, all right? So they have all the widows in the community. They know who they are. They check on them regularly. This is the, uh, the community health network. So they check on them. They find out what's going on. They provide food for them. They get oil for them. If there's a need in their family, there's prayer lists. And what's really, really cool is when you go to church there, in any one of the churches, as they're doing the beginning, as they're starting church, they're going to say, okay, right now we know we have um, this widow and this widow that has a need right now, um, and we're going to pray right now. And what they do is, as a church, they all pray out loud for that individual need. Then they'll say, and I'm not joking, the first 15 minutes of the service is them bringing up a need, everybody praying in unison, all at the same time praying for that need. Here's another need that we need. Boom. And guess what? The whole church prays for that need. So the church is aware of what's going on in the individual lives of the people that they're ministering to, but they're also taking it to the Lord. They're depending upon God to fulfill the need. Because guess what? Because they don't have the resources to fill it, they need God to fill it. We have so many resources, we're like, well, we can take care of it. It's not a big deal. We don't really need to pray because we got the money in the bank. And we do have the money in the bank to take care of the, to take care of the, of the, of the well. Praise the Lord. But man, it might be, maybe we would pray a little bit harder, maybe a little bit more dependent if we didn't have a penny, but we knew that God had laid on our hearts to send and to build that well, right? And so what happens, that's the situation they're in. Then they have a ministry to the handicapped, champs, okay? In that community, in that, in that world, if you're handicapped, they believe that you are cursed. Now understand, all of these villages still have chiefs, okay? They still have elders in the villages. Now, thank God, many of the elders we've actually reached and have come to Christ. So now they're leading their communities towards the Lord. But there are still witch doctors in these communities. They're still, you see an albino. Albinos, they, for whatever reason, they use them in witchcraft. So albinos are always being hunted. Albino children are at great risk. They cut pieces of their bodies off and they use it in sacrificial. I know, it's sick. But that's what they're fighting. So not only are they fighting false teaching, but they're also fighting their, the history of their people and the things that they've been taught traditionally. So this 
child or, or, the, or the, the CHAMPS program. What CHAMPS is, is CHAMPS is going out and reaching these communities. So there's handicapped children and, and Mulunguzi heard, look, we have the handicapped children. What are we doing about it? And they're like, we need to do something about it. We've got to do something. So they developed CHAMPS in which at first they had CHAMPS mobile. And what they would do is they would go to these individual villages. They would find out if there was a child that was handicapped. But what happens to that child, that whole family, the mom will be ostracized. The child is ostracized. The village has nothing to do with them. They're completely separated and set aside. So now what they do and what we had an opportunity to do the last time we were there is we get to go minister to these families. And then what happens is Champs Mobile shows up and we put up the tent and they talk about it. Well, now these families bring their children. You know, cystic fibrosis. They've got, you know, muscular dystrophy. They've got all kinds of different things. They've got birth defects and stuff like that. And the, that they're being ostracized. So the families are completely isolated. They feel alone and they feel completely un, uh, uh, uncared for. And then what happens is nurses sit down with them. And what's so cool some of the girls that are now ministering in the champs used to be orphans at the Passion Center. And the Passion Center raised them, sent them to college, they got their degree, and they came back to minister to their own people. But champs, what it does, it teaches three things. We teach them physically. First of all, they do physical therapy working with the child. Then they'll actually do therapy where they teach the parent how to actually do and to care for the child. So there's a lot of things that they're going to lose. Physical therapy, speech therapy, all this stuff is being done with these children. There's champs locations that are permanents where they can pre, they come, they have scheduled appointments where they bring their children in. It also creates community between people that thought they were completely ostracized, that had no one else. So now there's community that's built between these families that are struggling with the issues. Then we did, like when we were there, we did a VBS. And the VBS, the whole thing, this entire village, I'm talking hundreds and hundreds of kids show up. And the whole thing is geared around, it's a champs VBS. The only reason why these Azungus are here and these treats are here, guess what? It's because of this child here who's in the wheelchair. And we're here to celebrate them, and they're a hero. And so all the kids get an opportunity to be around a child that otherwise they've been told is cursed. And they start to realize he's just a kid. And you're able to build bridges and mend families. So there's champs. Uh, Then there's the orphanage, the Passion Center for Children. That was the, the original ministry because they were just like, look, there's such a burden here. There's such a because AIDS and disease has just wiped out families. There are so many children that have been left without parents. And what they do is they go in and if they can keep them in the community, because it's always best to keep them in their village. If we can keep them in their village, great. We want to support and help them in the village. But if there is nowhere or they're at risk, then they're brought to the Passion Center. We have a little girl who, uh, when she was three or four years old, her grandmother got angry at her and threw her in the fire. And uh, burned her hands horribly. Her hands are all kind of grown together, you know. And the hospital called the Passion Center when she was three. And they said, we have a child here that we think is unsafe for them to go home. They said, would you take her? And they said, of course. She's lived there for nine years. She's 12 years old. And she's got a singing voice you would not believe. She's such a blessing, and she works in the ministry. She's a product of that ministry. And the thing is, they know there's a need. And instead of turning their back, they don't say we can't afford to do it. They just say, we'll just do it. God will provide. Go get her. Bring her here. God will provide. And he has. Now they're in the process of building an infant nursery or an infant orphanage, bringing in the smallest of the small. And what's amazing is already some of those children that have been brought in, people that actually work with the Passion Center have adopted some of those kids, and they found homes. Then older children, as I mentioned, the childhood households, their mother and father are dead, and the oldest teens have got to drop out of school and take care of their family. They take care of their siblings. This is a house that one of the children was living in. 
his house is one of the ones that we built, his new house. But that's what he was living in. His family's dead. He has nothing. He's 10, 11 years old, living in trash bags and plastic, trying to survive, living on the streets. But we can give them a home that is safe. We can get him back in school. We can provide food, clothing, and education, and give that kid a chance. So reaching out to those kids that don't have anything. Then those that are physically ill and needy, right? They have whole initiatives going out and trying to teach kids. Because, like, when we were there, we did a little VBS with all these little kids. And they had all received toothbrushes. And they'd all received toothpaste. And they'd been educated about what they should do. And the, the, the translator's like, how many of you guys brushed your teeth today? There's like 50 kids. And one kid's like, <laughs> like remember what we told you guys. You got to brush your teeth. They're like, but that's not something that they do, right? But there's just little stuff like that. But this church has said, you know what? There's a need in our community. And because no one else is going to take care of it, we will take it upon ourselves. And when churches like us go, hey, you know what? There's a need. You need toothbrushes? We can go to local dentists and we can get a whole lot of toothbrushes together and we can bring those things up and ship them out. They don't sit on a box somewhere. They go in the people's hands. And it becomes saying it's a tool. It's a way to love somebody and build a bridge to someone who does not know Christ by saying, hey, you know what? We had this for you. Bandages, whatever it is. So when we send all that stuff over there, all that stuff becomes tools to reach people. And then at the same time, there was a need educationally. Mulanguzi heard that it was a need. And sure enough, they built a building. They built a library. Not for the Passion Center. It's built in property that's right near the school. So that the school has access to the books. Because the school doesn't have books. Children go to school there. They sit on the floor and they listen. They don't have paper. They have, we actually have solar panels set up on the roof. So they have access to a computer. So it's like they're teaching and learning skills. And the thing is, Passion Center took it, and the, or Mulanguzi took it upon itself to do it. Because guess what? No one else was. And God made a way. Training and encouraging churches through the PCP. Teaching pastors that are out there doing their best to try to stand against the enemy and stand against the tide, but not having the tools to do so. And giving them those tools. Farming. Teaching them how to farm and change the way they farm. Teaching them how to compost. Right? Changing the way they think. Because understand, the way they do it does not work. They survive on fertilizer. But guess what? If we taught them how to compost and do things properly, they could have a much more greater yield. And when they go to the L2 farm, guess what? They get to see a farm that functions that way. And they see that it can be done better. And there's education being done. When you go to Jolly Community Church, sure enough, guess what's right up front? There's a compost. So when they have got a farm at Jolly that they have farmed this entire area of land. And they've grown all this stuff. And when I was there, I was like, Million, why are you guys, what's this? And he was like, well, sometimes the families don't have enough food to take care of themselves. So we cover it. (laughs) That can fix me. And then digging wells, right? Not for the church, for the community. To say, hey, you know what? You need water? Come. (laughs) Whatever you need. If we can fill the need, we'll do it. Because no one else is going to. Galatians 5.14 says this. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And see it's this love that drives them. It's this godly love that pushes them. And see Paul said this. As he talked about this kind of love. And why it was so important in 1 Corinthians 13 verses 1 through 3. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. And have not charity. I'm becoming a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. He says, my words, though I might have great eloquence, they're just noise 
tinkling brass and sounding cymbals. They're just noise. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries, saying I understand every scriptural thing, I have all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Charity, when you see it in scripture, that is God's love manifested through a person. Okay? So he's saying, when I don't have this godly love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, I make the ultimate sacrifice and have not charity. It profiteth me nothing. It's a waste of time. Guys, love is a verb. Love is a choice. These people are choosing to love. They're choosing to give. Not of what they have. <laughs> but of themselves. <clears throat> They've given their hearts to the people in their community. And if there's a need, man, they go to fulfill it. They'll go to whatever lengths it takes. If they've got to get on a, in a truck and drive three, four, five hours to go out in the middle of nowhere to meet a need that they hear is there, they will go. And we think about this attitude that they have. And they don't have abundance. They don't have more than they need. They have enough just to take care of themselves and their family, and they will go without in order to help somebody else. It made me think about Mark 12, 42 through 44. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. He called unto his disciples and saith unto them, Jesus says, look, guys, get over here. You need to see this. Okay, I'm going to make a point right now. This, this is awesome. Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they that which did cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance. But she ever want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. It's not what we do. It's not what we give. It's the heart behind it. The reason why what she gave was of such value is because she said, it's not about me. I give for you, Lord. Amen. I'm giving in spite of myself. I have need, yes, but I'm willing to trust you. Amen. And God says, look, that's what I want. That's what I desire. Listen, they suffer in order to give. It's amazing. And in our country, we do anything to avoid suffering. As long as it doesn't make us uncomfortable, as long as it doesn't hurt us, we'll consider it. But these three lessons were so clearly displayed. It made me ask, why do they have so much of what we don't? Now, we don't think about it that way. You look at a third world country that's the poorest country in the world sometimes, and we think, well, no, we have, we have everything. But there's so much that they have that's important. Because what's valuable here on earth doesn't mean anything in heaven. Right? We know that. And what's really valuable in heaven, guess what, on earth? People discount, I don't think it has any value. But when we stand before the Lord, we're really going to care then. Right? It'll be super important then. And all the stuff that we thought was important here, that burns up with a fervent heat, guess what? Naked I came into the world, and naked I shall leave. Hey, so none of this stuff's going to go with us, yet we spend all of our time and attention trying to live for this place. And God says, look, this is your wilderness. This is your test. This is the opportunity where you're going to be tempted, where you're going to be drawn toward by your flesh. And what is your job? What is your, what do you, how are you supposed to respond? By trusting in the Lord, by turning your heart away from this world, denying ourselves, and taking up our cross to follow Him. Here you and I are, given all that we've been given, 
more than these people could ever dream of. And our desire, unfortunately, because we're stingy by nature, is that we want to keep it to ourselves. Right. It's for me and mine. And we think of reasons why we can't help or why we shouldn't help. We try to justify in our hearts the reason why we can be callous. But understand, there's that same command, remember? Galatians 5.14 is to us as well, that all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Why do we struggle to have thankful hearts, praising hearts, and hearts of service? Is it because we have so much? Listen, Deuteronomy chapter number 8, and we're going to finish with this. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 through 20. I want you to listen to this. Listen closely. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. He's talking about the promised land. Okay, this is in preparation for them to go in. This is during the 40 years in the wilderness. And thou shalt remember all the way which, notice the title here, the Lord thy God, the same way that Rahab called him, the same way that Joshua mentioned, the Lord thy God, led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee. Recognize the purpose of the wilderness to humble thee, and to prove thee, and to know what is in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know that he might, might make thee know, and that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Recognize that wording? Remember? That was when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness. That was his response to the bread. God does not, man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord. Remember, every word is purposeful. Verse 4, the raiment waxed not old, so your clothing didn't wear out. Neither did thy foot swell. Your feet didn't hurt, even though you were walking all that time. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Because I love you, because I want to correct you and help you to be better, that's why I'm on you. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of, book, of brooks, of waters, and of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil and honey. A land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it. A land whose stones are iron, and of those hills thou mayest dig brass. When thou hast eaten and art full, this is for us guys, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the, land, for the good land which he hath given thee. You'll be grateful. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full, and hast built goodly houses, and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, you live in a land of abundance, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage. For who led thee, who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents, scorpions, and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, and that he might prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end. See, their lack and their wanting humbled them. It made them dependent upon God and allowed them to learn and honor the Lord. Their danger was their abundance. 
their danger was their abundance. Listen, verse 17, and thou say in thine heart, my power and my might, listen to what Jesus says, this is the attitude they have. Though God says, look, don't forget where it's come, where you've come from, but this is the problem. And thou say in thine heart, my power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers, as it is this day. And it shall be, if thou do at all forget the Lord thy God and walk after other gods, putting God as no longer our priority, serving other things, serve them and worship them and testify against you. I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish as the nations which the Lord destroyeth before your face. So shall you perish because you would not be obedient unto the voice of the Lord your God. Guys, our nation is slipping it has been for a very long time because we're so abundant. We have so many distractions, so many reasons why we can do other things than serve the Lord. Is it possible that what we think are blessings are in fact keeping us from true blessings? And where we believe we have such abundance, <laughs> we are in fact destitute. When we think about this from a spiritual perspective, and you go to Malawi, they are rich. We look in the churches in America, they are poor. Amen. Yeah. Revelations 33 verses 15 through 17 says this, as God is speaking to the churches, he's speaking to us in this. This is the, this is the age of the Laodicean church, which is where we are right now. This is what God says. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Why does, it, why does it make him sick? Why is God disgusted by this lukewarm attitude? We're not in for God. We're not in for, we're just, we're sort of floating in the middle, right? We're a blend of the world. We look like the world, but we say we're Christians. This is the whole thing. Why? This is what he says, verse 17. Because thou sayest, I am rich. And increased with goods and have need of nothing. Man, I've got such abundance. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked? He says, do you not realize that from a spiritual perspective, the way I see your country and the way I see your churches is that you are destitute. You think you have so much, but all of those things are keeping you from the truth. They're keeping you from, from surrender. They're keeping you from abundant walk with me. They're keeping you distracted so that you don't give your heart to God, that you don't depend upon me. You trust in your finances. You trust in your wealth. You trust in your knowledge and your, your structure of your government. You don't trust in me. You don't walk by faith. Right. And so what's happened is this, what we believe, our blessings are in fact the very thing that is hurting us. Our Savior is speaking to us. Listen, he's telling us what we need to do. And he explains in verse 19 through 22. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. He says, why am I telling you this? Because I want you to hear the truth and to change your ways. Repent means turn away. If I'm so consumed with the world, he's saying, hey, look, if this is the wake-up call, you need to hear this truth, and it'll help you to turn away. Don't set your affection on things of the earth, but on things above. That's what God's constantly telling us all the time. Eyes on the promised land. The promised land is abundant life with God. That doesn't mean it's heaven. It's a picture of the abundant life with Christ. It's a place of fellowship with God and a place of surrender where you finally walk with Him. Verse 20, 
Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. He says, look, if you do respond and you will change your heart, guess what? I'm there for you, man. I want this because I want fellowship with you. And we'll sup with him and he with me. He says, I'll have fellowship with that person. Verse 21, to him that overcometh. What's he overcoming? The lures of temptation. For he that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. That what the Spirit saith unto the churches. There's a lot to be learned from allowing. That place convicts me. Up and down. We need to do more. And we'll help them do what they're doing. But we need to apply what they're teaching here. So as we hear this, these lessons learned. The question is, do we have ears to hear it? That's what he says in verse 22. He that hath an ear, let him hear. It's one thing to sit in church and feel bad about what we hear. It's another thing to allow it to change us. So I pray that our heart will be shifted to the mission that's our mission which is our community, which is our neighbors, which is our coworkers, which is our families. God's intention is that we would reach this world and he'll do it through us if we'll do our part. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of today and Lord, for being so gracious. Thank you for the word of God and Lord, the truth that you have laid out for us time and time and time again. Lord God, please help us have ears to hear that we would be changed. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord, and I know that today may have just been for me. But I pray that, Lord, if you spoke to them, that, Lord, it will, it will sink beyond their ears and get to their hearts. Lord, that we might be convicted to be better at ministering to our local community, to our own children, to our neighbors, to our parents, to our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors. God, help us have a heart, heart of thanks, heart of praise and heart of service. God, you are ready, willing, and able to work in the hearts of anyone. And Lord, many times the one thing that's in the way is us. So Lord, I do pray that you help us to get out of the way. Help us to have a broken heart for the world around us. Help us to see this world the way that you do. And not judge people based upon their sins, think that we're superior, but realize that broken people just need to be healed by the Savior. And Lord, our job is to introduce them to him. You gave us a testimony so we can build a bridge and point them to the truth. I pray for those that are feel ill-equipped, those that feel overwhelmed and feel like they're not capable of doing this. Lord, I pray for them to be convicted to be in discipleship, to learn and to grow so that God can use their life. We thank you for today. Thank you for what you've taught us. With their heads bowed and with their eyes closed. Listen, if you're here today and you say, look, I don't know where I stand with God. I heard the message. I understand. God's doing a work in this world. But I feel like he needs to do work in me. If you're online and you're watching this and you say, look, I don't, I don't have a relationship with the Lord. Guys, I was raised in a completely non-Christian environment. I did not know the Lord until I was 34 years old. Thankfully, because someone cared enough to come and have an uncomfortable, uncomfortable conversation with me and point me to the truth and reveal to me that I needed a Savior. 
And if the God of the, if God of the universe is speaking to your heart today and he's dealing with you, and he's telling you that you need a relationship with him and you do not have it. Maybe you're religious. Maybe you've been faking it for a very long time. Maybe you've been in church your whole life. I don't know what your story is, but I can tell you this. The God of the universe loves you right where you are. He said in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our lie, in the midst of whatever it is we've done. He loves us in that moment. And he died on that cross because of that love. And it's that love that saves us for the grace of God. The Bible says for by grace you saved through faith and the not of yourselves. It's not you. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We're saved through faith in Christ. He died on the cross. He's paid the price. We all have a sin debt. But Jesus offers to pay our debt. And in doing so, he sets us free. If you've never been set free, you have that chance today. It's not a magic prayer. It's not a ceremony. <laughs> it's nothing more than a heart that's broken, that knows it needs to be healed by a loving Savior you're watching us online, you're watching this recorded, it doesn't take a preacher. I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray, to ask Jesus into your heart, ask him to save you. If you do not intend it, if you don't really mean it, if you're just going through the motions, do not waste your time. It will do nothing for you. God is listening to your heart. If your heart sincerely wants to receive him and you will pray this prayer and you will mean it, God will save you and change your eternity forever. If you don't, really feel it? Don't do it. You should still be lost. For the heart may believeth unto righteousness, but the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So their heads bowed with their eyes closed. If you want to receive Christ, I'm going to lead you in prayer. Repeat after me, but remember you're not talking to me. You're talking to God. Repeat after me in your heart and mind. Dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I am so sorry for all that I've done wrong, the ways that I've hurt myself that love me most importantly you I'm asking you right now to forgive me of my sins to pay the price that I could not pay I receive your death on the cross as payment for my sin debt and by faith I trust you to come into my heart to save my soul and give me a home in heaven thank you for saving me I'll see you in heaven one day in Jesus name